This is the SBI Show. I am Garrett Cleverly, and in Jersey is Ivis Galarsep. We'd like to uh, start off the show and say that our thoughts and prayers are with the victims in Boston and West Texas and with uh, Matt Reese, whose father-in-law is in critical condition right now. And, uh, you know, Ivis, it was uh, you know very tough what happened uh, over the last couple of days, right? No, it was, uh, it was unbelievable. A lot of tra- tragedy uh, across the country, and and it uh, it definitely hit hit close to home uh, in the MLS community with uh, Matt Reese, uh, who was who was at the near the marathon and at the marathon, and, and his father in law obviously is is uh, in bad shape, and we're we're all uh, praying for him and, and all the victims and, and everyone affected by both tragedies. Uh, it's it's crazy to have uh, two things happen like that in, in, in quick succession, but uh, we definitely got to see the good side uh, of of this country as well with so many people stepping up and helping those in need uh, and showing no fear and jumping in there and helping everyone that needed help. It's just great to see and gives you some hope that, that, that good will prevail against evil when it's all said and done. And, I mean, same thing too. I mean, I, I noticed I went back to some of the comments uh, people had to say about Terrence Boyd and, and I mean, Terrence Boyd's, you know, patriotism. I, I, some people comments were saying how, you know, they really enjoyed to hear that, you know, what Terrence Boyd had to say on, on Monday's show in regards to, you know, how he felt about America and stuff like that. Oh, definitely. I mean, you just hear it. You hear the pride that he has and, and just the joy and, and, and what it means to him to be an American, to represent the USA. And uh, I, I know uh, it, it, it had, you know, we dropped the show around the same time that that, that it happens. And I, I think some people kind of it reminded some people just, you know, how lucky we are to be to be mm-hmm. Americans and, and to be from this country. And, and and we should all be as proud as Terrence Boyd is to have that connection. So, uh Times like this, you know, it definitely makes you think about it about about what how lucky we are to be to be in this country. Yes, you're ninety nine percent of the world would probably love to take any of our shoes. Well, Ivis, as we said, this is the SBI show. We have a great show lined up today. We're going to talk to Sporting Kansas City head coach Peter Vermees. We're also going to preview the MLS and Ivis. Have a special treat for all of our listeners. Do you know what that special treat is? Uh, I'm scared to even think it's about it. What it is is last week when I did the you know the that thing, um, I was like I you know right, I told so I, I asked anyone who's listening I was like you can make a really sick intro and we'll play it. Well, someone made a boss intro. Ivis, you listen to it, you love it. I listen to it, I love it even more than that. So we're gonna play it for our MLS season preview. That's the treat. Oh, uh, that sounds like more. Like, that sounds more like a trick to me. And I'm still convinced that it was you that actually put no, it together. No, I didn't. I'm not that good at, at producing. Well, I already knew that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think everyone who listens to the show knows that. Uh, <laughs> but, but, but that's the show we have lined up today. Well, Ivis, let's keep it uh, in, the, uh, in Europe. Let's talk about the Americans that are out there. Usually when we talk about the Americans, we're always talking about you know how, how good they're doing, how many goals they're scoring, good play, stuff like that. But what's interesting is going into this weekend, we actually need to talk about their matchups. And a lot of these matchups are, are big for standings, for, for Champions League, relegation, and stuff like that. Let's start off with Spurs versus uh, I'm sorry, Tottenham. As as you like to say, versus Manchester City, uh, that I mean Dempsey, they need a victory to keep their chance hopes alive in for the Champions League. I mean Man City also needs a victory here. I mean that's this is going to be this is a huge game. Oh, it's it's a, one of the top games of the weekend in Europe. And uh, you know when you're talking about Clint Dempsey, you know he he obviously had a big game uh, for Tottenham in a Europa League recently, scoring a couple of goals and. You know, you, you want to think that he's ready to kind of put on a strong finish to the season. He's he's a player who has shown the last few years that he can finish strong and he, he tends to finish uh, season strongly. And, and, and they're going to need him to do that. You know, obviously with with Gareth Bale 
uh, going down with an ankle injury, you know, that, that it's a big that that was a big blow for Tottenham. But he looks ready to step up and they're playing a Man City side that's really playing well uh, these days. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, things are going everything's going right for City at this point, even though they're still kind of pretty far out uh, away from Man United. And, and, and I think most people see that race as being over. But, you know, they, they've gone to the to the FA Cup final. They've really put on a strong run of late uh, form wise. So it's going to be a great test. Uh, great test for for Dempsey to to really show that he is a key part of that team and he's someone that they want to build around uh, and and keep as part of their their key plan for uh, going into next year. Well, especially for Dempsey because he wasn't shy about his aspirations for playing for a Champions League team, not a Europa League team. <laughs> right, uh, and obviously, you know, they, they a team like Tottenham with the with the money they have and the money they they tend to spend. Uh, obviously, the competition is is strong for playing time and for places. And uh, you know, when when you think about them bringing in a player like Lewis Holpe, uh in the January window, and a lot of people looked at that and thought, oh, you know, Dempsey's playing time is going to get cut into. Is he going to start getting phased out? But I mean, he's shown as he has shown throughout his career that uh, even when he's faced with with tough challenges and adversity, that he always finds a way to step up and and show why he's he's you know one of the best Americans there is. Well, Tottenham uh, is uh, two two points behind Arsenal for the fourth spot. They're in fifth spot, and uh, Spurs also have a game in hand too. But that that's a tough game versus Manchester City right there. On a side note, if I was the GM, let's just say I was playing fantasy GM one day, if I was the fantasy GM of the Spurs, I would get rid of Adebayor and bring in Josie Altidore. What do you think of that move right there? Uh, you know what? I, I don't think U.S. fans would mind that too much. Uh, you know, that that's an interesting one. I mean, they, they can afford them, that's for sure. I mean, mm-hmm. even with... Uh, the likely big price tag that that, that Josie Altidore is going to fetch uh, this this off season, uh, and funny that you mentioned them because I know there's been some stuff out there suggesting that they, you know Azed's going to keep them. They want to they want to bring them back. Please. Listen, folks, that's what teams do in the process of selling a player. No team can come out and say, yeah, you know, we want to get rid of our guys. We want to sell our guys. Teams are always going to say, listen, we we would like to keep all our guys, but you know, under you know under their breath, they're like, unless you have a good price. Josie Altador is absolutely for sale, and anyone that thinks he won't get sold this summer is crazy because I just think uh, the timing is right. He's had two outstanding seasons, and uh, at the end of the day, I just think the offers are going to be too big for, for uh, Azet to turn down. I mean, I mean, think about it, man. You get rid of Adebayor, you get rid of the stupidity and the, the dumbness. That's, that's not even a word. But you get rid of all his just BS and you're bringing Josie Atador. Think about that, Ivis. Everyone else needs to think about that, too. All right, let's I, talk about what? Let's I'm just talk- thinking about your use of the word dumbness. Dumb, dumbness, yeah, I know. All right, let's talk about a uh, another game uh, right here. Is, uh, it's a big game for Aston Villa. They have to They have to win. I mean, they have to win right now because you know somehow Wigan's going to figure out a way not to stay in the Premier League. But Villa's taking on Manchester United. I mean, think things. <laughs> it's going to come down to the final game for Villa, I think, Ivis. Probably will. I don't know if it's a must-win game for them against Man U, but you definitely want to get at least get a point there. Uh, and, and to be fair, Man U's not not exactly playing outstanding the last few weeks. They've kind of been struggling, uh, struggling a bit down the stretch. So you know, and as, yeah, and Percy, on the other side, Aston Villa's been really Van, well. Van so. Persie looks like he's going to turn it on soon, though. Who, who is Robin Van Persie? He, he, he I, I, I can sense it. It looks like he's going to just like explode. I, don't know. I mean, it was an offside goal that he just scored against West Ham. I, I, listen, it's going to be a tougher game than I think people. If you just look at it real quick and you see uh-huh. the names, you figure blowout, man. You, but I tell you what, Villa's been playing really well, and obviously Brad Guzan keep, can keep them in any game. Uh, he, he's obviously been in, in great form, so I think that's going to be 
when you look at the schedule, that's going to be, a, I think, a, a more fun game to watch than people realize. And, uh, and then uh, in another game we have right here, I mean, this team's tied 34 points with Astonville. I mean, it's shocking because Stoke City started off so well this, this season. But, I mean, they're really sliding right here at the end, Ivis, and things aren't looking good for them. I mean, they have a game against QPR. QPR is pretty much all, I, I, you know, said and done at this point. But, I mean, for Stoke, I mean, they, Ivis, last time they got a victory, February 9th. No, they're clearly in free-fall mode, but they're pretty much getting the, the perfect remedy to free-fall mode, and that is Queens Park Rangers, you know, as you said, they're dead on arrival. They're, they're, their season is finished. They're, you know, they're falling apart right now. So, you know, if you're, if you're you know, Tony Poulos and if you're Jeff Cameron, I mean, this is definitely uh-huh. a game you have to win. You have to get all three points. There's no excuse. you got to start feeling the pressure at a certain point. And uh, if they if they lose that game, I mean, then they I mean, they're in serious trouble. I mean, you have to pick up the points against the weaker teams. And this is there. That's those three points are there for the taking. It still absolutely has to win that game. It's crazy to me that that just Stoke was playing so well earlier this season. I mean, their free falls. It's, it's been just atrocious. It's tough, you know. I mean, as you said, I mean, they were early in the year. They they, good, were, they managed. They kept managing to get results, and they were in every game. And uh, and then things just went south uh, after the new year. And uh, it, it can happen that way. Obviously, uh, when, when you talk about the bottom half of the table, I mean, it, it, you can slide into that danger zone so quickly. Uh, but you know, they still mm-hmm. have quality there on that team, and and they've been clearly they've been underachieving. Um, and I tell you what, I, what I'm interested to see is is uh, if Breck Shea. Uh, can factor into things, and I know he tweeted this week that it, you know it sounded it sounds like his foot is feeling better. It, it, you know, clearly he was still having some issues, uh, and that's probably why he wasn't playing much uh, lately. But you know, you you want you wonder you know if he's going to still be able to kind of factor into things here late in the year, and and, and you hope he does because obviously that's a great experience for him, and especially going into the summer and and, and the big role you hope he plays for the national team. It's going to be key for him to get into that mix and get some important minutes here down the stretch. I mean, well, for Stoke, the saving grace for them might be the fact that their their defense is so stingy that they might stay up because of a goal differential. But I mean, you ha- come on, Wigan will somehow figure out a way. They, Wigan will figure it out. Just mark my words, they will figure it out like they always do every single year, and they'll somehow stay. And it, you know, we'll all just roll our eyes in disgust. Um, let's talk about some good good news though for Americans. Let's talk about Michael Bradley and Roma reaching the Coppa Italia final, and uh, that's uh, I mean, it's big news. Absolutely. It's, uh, you know, obviously most a majority of American soccer fans follow the Premier League and, and, and aren't into Serie A as much. But, you know, you have to follow Serie A uh, not only because it's a great league, but Michael Bradley, you know, he's such a great story there, uh, you know, doing well. Obviously, he's, you know, his career's kind of taken off there. He's starring in commercials now. That commercial's he's, great, by the way. That, yeah, no, absolutely. He's, he's got some. If you haven't seen him yet, you definitely want to go on YouTube. Or 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 do a search on SBI and you'll find them. He's you know some, these funny vid- Volkswagen videos with with Francesco Totti, um, but you know he Roma gets a new coach and he wins. He still finds a way to win his starting job back. It's what he's done throughout his career, uh, even with adversity, even with getting benched. You know he's just so relentless and, and just you know just. So, so strong will that he finds a way to get back on, and he's been playing well lately. And he played well in the in the Coppa Italia semifinal against Inter Milan, and and now we have Roma in the final, Michael Bradley in the final, and and, and as far as I know, he's uh, he's joining Tim Howard as the only Americans to play in 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 domestic 
finals in one of the top four leagues in in, uh, in the world, in Europe. Uh, obviously, Tim Howard with Manchester United, he, he won an FA Cup, uh, and now here we go with Michael Bradley in what is going to be an absolutely can't-miss Copa Italia final because Roma's playing Lazio, and we're talking about the Rome Derby. These teams can't stand each other, and every time those teams play, it's it's absolute fireworks. Um, and, you know, they, they played recently, and it was a great game back and forth action. Uh, so you're going to want to circle the calendar. May 26th, it's on a Sunday. Uh, you know, you, you'd like to think Michael Bradley's going to be featuring in that game. And, uh, you know, uh, on one hand, you know, so, some hardcore U.S. fans might be upset that he's going to miss a week of, of training camp ahead of the qualifiers. But you know what? Experiences like that are, are, are second to none. You know, him getting to play in a final like that, uh, you, you just want to see how he does in that kind of competition. And you know what? If he has a breakout game there, I mean, it, it sets him up for a great summer. I have to agree with those fans, Ivis. How dare he miss camp? How dare he? <laughs> well, you know, the, the, where the real disappointing part, I think, for some fans is going to be the fact that most likely he will not. I can't imagine he's going to feature much in that, May, in that May 29th friendly against Belgium. And so what you should consider uh, the blessing in disguise in that is that it'll give the U.S. a chance and it'll give Klinsman a chance to kind of see what things can be like if, for whatever reason, you're missing Michael Bradley. Mm-hmm. So it'll give other players a chance to kind of step into that role. It's going to give somebody a chance to to kind of step in there, get in the starting lineup, and uh, and let Klinsman see some some people against some pretty good competition. When you talk about Belgium, uh, you know, they, they've got a ton of talent on that team. Uh, they don't always get the results, but, you know, yeah, think, think about that. It's going to be a great chance for somebody to step in. How, how Belgium can't figure it out is just, it's it's so interesting. No, they're one of those just enigmatic teams yeah. that stacked with talent, but they just never get the results. Uh, let's talk about a player. another player that's doing well is uh, Alejandro Bedoya. Uh, I mean, you and I, we love this guy, obviously, because of uh, his hustle on the field. He scored a goal this past weekend, and, uh, I mean, he definitely seems to be finding his mark. Uh, yeah, you know, he's a little off, a little under the radar, obviously, uh, playing in Sweden, playing in Helsingborg, but he's actually enjoying a really good uh, season there. And uh, when you think about the U.S. and the depth chart, uh, you know, he's someone who's versatile. He can play in multiple attacking spots in midfield. You can play him wide on either side. Uh, and and those who were those folks who can remember him in the 2011 Gold Cup, you know, I thought he showed really well there. Uh, obviously, he he made a move the Rangers that didn't work out. He he didn't get playing time. He was injured, but I think he's really kind of finding his feet in Sweden, doing well there. And you want to see what the next step is for him. Um, and I think he's at this point he's shown enough, or at least he he should be. You would think on Klinsman's radar when you talk about the Gold Cup and a, oh, yeah. and a possible opportunity. For him to be there, and and again, he's a you know we're talking about a guy born in Jersey, uh, raised in Florida, but he was born and raised in the early Stop years it. in Jersey. Stop uh, it. And he's someone people should he, people should definitely not forget about. Well, I mean, one we talk about his hustle, Ivis. I, I mean, every game that I've seen him play, he just seems to just he doesn't turn off. That's why I love him as a player, is because he's just he's always there the entire game. We talked about his Gold Cup performances. And, I mean, hopefully he's, he's one of those players that has an opportunity to, to show what he can at the Gold Cup roster. And, I mean, maybe that, that's an opportunity for him to get called up to the World Cup qualifying games. I, I think that's the natural uh, progression, I'd say. I mean, he's someone, as you said, I mean, he's not just a hustle player. I mean, he does have uh, attacking skill. But what I think he's definitely done a good job of in the last few years uh, from 2010 on and, and really developing that is that hustle and that he plays like his hair's on fire. Yeah. He's running around. He's he's just trying to. He's getting in, stuck in on challenges. And uh, you know, I think he's 
he's he's the kind of player that with his versatility, I mean, I think he's someone that, that Klinsman definitely want definitely should take a look at. I, I mean I hope he does. And but then again there's a lot of other players that we can make that same argument for. Uh, but but you know that, that that's kind of the gist of how the Americans are are doing in Europe. Uh, Ivis, we got a full slate of MLS action going on this week. We got, well, we have to. There's one more. There's one more American abroad. We should that that I do want to provide give an update for. Oh yes, uh, I'm sorry. He's I, not not. He's not, not. He's not in Europe though. He's uh he's actually in South America. You know who I'm talking about. Stop it. I'm talking about Freddie Adu. Uh, I know you know folks. Obviously, he's gone down to Brazil. Uh, uh, to join Bahia. Uh, he hasn't played yet, but now my sources tell me that he will be in the, in uniform in the 18 for Bahia this weekend, which means he could be making his debut. And uh, it's something that I think a lot of U.S. fans are going to want to keep an eye on because obviously if he can go down there, get playing time, play well, he could definitely work his way back on the radar. Obviously, it's still a long road, long road ahead. He still has to play, really establish himself, but... Um, I think people definitely shouldn't write him off or forget about him because uh, he's got a great opportunity down there in Brazil. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I mean, what do you, what do you, I mean, what, come on. I mean, what, what do you put his chances at that he's going to turn it around down in Brazil? Well, you know what? I tell you what. I think he's got talent. I think, uh, as far as attacking midfielders, well, of course go, he does. He has talent. We we all know that. Well, what I'm saying is, like, if he, when you in a league like Brazil that showcases skill the way it does, uh, when you talk about free flowing attacking soccer. It's not hack fest. It's not you know root one soccer. It's it's real, it's real. It's right up his alley for the type of player he is. Now it's still up to him to get the job done and really play well and really you know put everything on the line there and and, and give it his all. He still has to show it. He still has to produce. He still has to perform. But I think the everything's set up there. You know you want to see him do well. Obviously there there's already some turmoil there uh, down in Bahia. They uh, they Amazing. actually fired the manager. Um, so he's already dealing with that, but obviously it's a positive sign that he's going to address in their next game and that, you know, so he, he clearly, he's, he's showing something there already. So I, I just think people want to keep an eye on him. And when we talk about all the struggles with the U S team and their offense and their inability to produce chances and, and, and the midfield struggles, I mean, I don't think you can, you can just, I just don't think you can rule him out. I think he's someone that. You keep an eye on if he turns things around, then you definitely have to consider him. But he still, obviously, he still has to get it done. Let's head back over to MLS. Let's talk uh, MLS. There was a game last night: Sporting Kansas City versus Red Bulls. Sporting Kansas City scored an early goal, hold out late uh, for the victory. They extended their shutout streak, their their winning streak, and Sporting Kansas City. I mean, they are just rolling right now. You know, it, it's funny, man. It's like uh, every time they, every time Sporting Kansas City goes to Red Bull Arena. They just frustrate the heck out of the Red Bulls and Terry Henry. And, you know, I've been there for all, for their past few visits there. And, and now, uh, I mean, it's actually been, I think it's been about 518 minutes since a Red Bulls player has scored against Sporting Kansas City. Wow. And, that, and that's a stretch that has included three home games. So, I mean, it just shows you, I mean, how, I mean, obviously Kansas City's defense is, 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 you know, you can say they're the best in the league. But when you talk about a player like Terry Henry and the fact that he has yet to score a goal against Sporting Kansas City in seven meetings against them, I mean, that's something. That says something. I mean, he usually finds a way to get on the board, but you know what? They frustrate him. The Aurelian Collins steps his game up. Oh, you know, obviously yeah. what they, a, what a you know, you know, yeah, I mean, that was, Aurelian Cullen on Wednesday played you know, the best defensive game that I've seen in MLS in a long time. I mean, the guy just broke up. He made every big play that needed to be made. 
to defensively, and then he and then he muscle out muscles Hamas Alave, who everyone you know already knows is, is like the, the the resident muscle man of MLS. He out muscled Olave and then scores a header. So I mean, hats off to him, outstanding performance. But if you're the Red Bulls, you know you got to start asking yourself, how is this team good enough to be a serious contender? Obviously, they did well against DC United. They, they've done well against weaker opponents, but I just don't think the as they're currently constituted, I don't think they're good enough to beat the, to beat the, the elite teams in MLS. I mean, I don't know. I mean, the Red Bulls seem to be having a. I don't know. I thought they were kind of figuring it out for a little bit. I mean, I think this is just a, a loss here. No. No, you know what? Listen, I think you got to consider the competition. Always cons- when you when you look at results, you look at performances. I mean, they they they. They look good against D.C. in two meetings, but D.C. is just not playing well. They look good against the Philadelphia Union, uh, but the Union on the road aren't necessarily great shakes. You know, they, and, and they've never won at Red Bull Arena. But when you talk about the top teams, when you talk about teams like L.A., Sporting Kansas City, Houston Dynamo, uh, I, think, I just don't see – I think the Red Bulls are still missing some talent. And some of the guys that they've added just haven't gotten it done either. I mean, Juninho – I mean, when you talk about a guy who, I mean, I'll say it, I'll, I'll be, I'll, I'll be the first to say, like, I thought he would do well in the league, and he clearly has not. Uh, he's, he's been disappointing. Even though I thought in the first half on uh, Wednesday night, I thought he, he looked pretty good. He, he made some good passes, but then he really just kind of fell apart in the second half, and then he loses his mind and kicks the ball at Jimmy Nielsen yeah, and gets red carded. Even though obviously Jimmy Nielsen embellished a bit on just how that kick affected him, but. You know what? If you're the Red Bulls, you look at this team. They don't have wingers. Uh, their forwards are struggling for service. Um, they, they, they need to go in, in the summer, and they need to. They're, they're going to need to make some more uh, some more additions. You know, I, I have to say that 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 the whole the whole kicking him. Did you notice that you also pushed the referee? Did Did you notice that? Uh, I missed that one. I he like like there was a. I, I'm remembering it like he he runs up, and the and the ref kind of gets in the way and I guess like I don't know whatever he says whatever to the referee and then he kind of like just gives the referee like a little push to the side like I don't know I mean I, I don't know if that if it was I'm, that I'm just, I'm, I'm just saying to, I'm just saying I found that yeah, that stuff happens more than you, than you realize I mean it, it, it always depends on the moment depends on the referee I mean obviously there's some refs who, who are a little more sensitive than others and, and they just won't ha- won't stand for that and then I mean in some cases when you look in Europe like a uh, perfect example, like I think it was either in Serie A or in Spain. I mean, you'll see players grabbing the referee's arm like on a regular basis. Like, hey, come here, check this out, or listen to me. And I'm like, you know what? In MLS, if you grab a referee's arm, you're gonna get you're gonna get sent off probably just because MLS yeah. referees in general don't stand for that. Not not many of them, anyway. But uh, but no, it's it's a fr- it was a frustrating night for the Red Bulls. Uh, a great night for Sporting Kansas City. Five straight shutouts, first place in the in the East Eastern Conference, and now you know. The schedule makers haven't done them any favors now. After traveling to New York in the middle of the week, they had to turn right around and fly out to LA for the what's going to be the game of the weekend against the LA Galaxy. Yeah, they, they yeah, schedule makers. Well, let's uh, keep talking Sporting Kansas City here, Ivis. Let's welcome in their head coach, Peter Vermes. Peter, how are you doing today? Good, good, uh, great, guys. Uh, glad to be on the show. It's a pleasure having you on. You guys started off the season a little bit, a little bumpy though, but the team has really figured it out. Defense coming together. You guys are on a shutout right now. What, what have been the keys for you uh, to get the team where it's at right now? You know, I think uh, no matter how many core guys you bring back to your team um, each year, I always think that it, it takes you know some some time to find the identity of your team. And um, you know, look, we've added a few guys. A few guys have have uh, moved on. 
And then we have Kai who's on loan at the moment. And, you know, look, there's some changes in the team, and there's always going to be that, um, I think, from year to year, especially with, with our league and the way we have the salary cap. So, um, but I think the guys are slowly finding their, their, their identity. And, uh, you know, we're evolving as the season goes on. But, you know, I, I, I truly believe it takes a little time for people to get acclimated to the way that a team plays. Now, Peter, obviously the team's going to be different uh, once uh, Roger Espinosa left and once you knew you were going to loan Kai out. Um, but you've managed to bring in some new guys who, or some new starters who've really stepped in and done well. Obviously, Claudio Beeler and, and Yuri Rizal, uh doing really outstanding. And, and then you brought in Benny. Can you just talk about the new guys and how they've been able to kind of uh, blend, uh, come right in and, 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 and really uh, blend in well with the squad you have? Well, I mean, Claudio's you know, pretty easy. He'll take him first. Look, uh, he's a guy that we saw six years ago. Um, we've been scouting him ever since. Um, just wasn't the right time to bring him in back then for a number of reasons. Um, but, you know, our team now was at a place that we felt that a guy like him would not only be able to fit in well with us, but also be able to take us, I think, to another level. And his capabilities of finishing, he's clinical around the box. Um, it's just it's simple as that. So he's an easy one. Um, in regards to someone like Benny, you know, I, I think that in some respects, Benny's gotten a little bit of a, a, a you know, he's, a lot of people have been very critical of him. And, and I say that because when you see him, you realize that he has a tremendous amount of talent. But what the demand that has not been on him over the years is um, most people have looked at him and said, listen, we need you to be more of a playmaker and, and make sure you make the game for us and, and, and have solutions for us in the final third. What I saw him when I was with the U-20s, um, and Ziggy Schmidt was the head coach, was the fact that he could play on both sides of the ball. And as I told him when we went out and got him this year, I said to him, I said, look, I truly believe that you're a box-to-box midfielder and you have, you have qualities that can, can really help us defensively and then obviously really be the, the X factor when it comes to the, to the final third as well. But those, those qualities in the final third are only going to be emphasized if you can do the defensive responsibilities. And I, you know, credit to him, I think that he has evolved with each game as we move forward. And uh, you know, I'm excited about how he's going to continue to contribute as we move down and, you know, throughout the league here and in the 34 games we have to play in, in MLS. Now you you know obviously you you have strong nucleus the guys uh, that came back uh, two of the guys uh, have really stepped up their play even even coming off of outstanding years last year and that's uh, Matt Beesler and Graham Zusi um, who both have enjoyed some really good success on the national team level uh, how much growth have you seen from them uh, since that since they've kind of become bigger parts of the national team and and do you really see them taking their games kind of to a new level now? Well, look, credit to those both those guys. Look, they worked very hard. They're very conscientious guys. And they're also, uh, you know, you, you couldn't ask for two better team guys. So from just that point of view alone, you know, I'm very happy for them because they've worked very hard to get to the place that they are. But the other piece that I would, I would add to it is that it's like anything. You know, when you're on the, when you're on, when you finally get to the national team, um, and I think it's the case for any player from any country. It's, you get a different confidence level. And obviously you have to find some success, success with your national team. But both those guys have done well. And I just think that, you know, more and more of their qualities are starting to come um, out and, and, and have a spotlight on them because they're getting a chance to show what they can do at the highest level of the game. Um, you know, Matt Beasley to go into the qualification game in Mexico 
was a very, very difficult task. Um, you know, being that it was only his second, it was his second uh, uh, appearance for the U.S. team. But at the end of the day, because I think he has a, uh, he's got a quiet resilience. I think that's the reason why he found success in that game with that team. So, um, and then Graham, I think he's just getting better as time goes on, based on the fact that he's got incredible qualities and he's a little bit of a shy guy, and they're just starting to come out more and more because he's starting to feel that he actually is one of the main guys within within that group. You know, Peter, for you guys, you're going to be competing in uh, multiple fronts this year. You know, how tough is that going to be for your team? Yeah, it's it's going to be. Uh, look, it's not just for the players, right? It's for me as well. Um, you know, I, it's it's it's, a, it's an area that necessarily. Look, I've, obviously, I've managed the team through uh, through uh, a league play and also the Open Cup, and uh, I thought that went well last year. But now throwing the Champions League in there is going to be a little bit of a of a, a new thing for me. So. Um, I'm up for the challenge. We've done a lot of uh, research and trying to figure out how we want to move through these competitions. But I think it's also going to be a difficulty from a not only a number of games, but also when you start. It's one thing if you're playing in your league, you're playing in your Open Cup, and you're also playing in the the the, the, uh, the Champions League. But then you start throwing international duty in there as well. It now becomes a, a very difficult task. So. We're going to make sure that we monitor those guys that are leaving us and having to go play for their national teams as well um, very closely. And we're not going to put them in harm's way, and we're going to use them as, 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 as well as we can, but at the same time not putting them in jeopardy of making that, you know, hoping that they won't get injured. Now, now Peter, you've watched, obviously, the Champions League uh, through the years, um, and now we, we've had, obviously, the Mexican League domination in the, in the competition, but MLS has been closing the gap. Uh, do, do you think it's you think we're at that point now where a team can an MLS team can break through and win win the whole thing and and I mean h- how do you like the chances of your team kind of being in, being a possible you know contender for that? You know I really do. I mean look, I and, and, and no disrespect to, to Seattle because I think they're actually a, a great team, um, but I thought that LA was in a great position to be able to get to the final this year. Whether they're going to win it or not, you know obviously there's certain things that that go into that equation, but I thought. Uh, LA was in a great position. Uh, I thought they had a very solid core group of guys um, in in that position to help that team be successful and, and get to the final. Unfortunately, you know, a couple things went against them and it didn't work out. But I, if I'm Mexico, I'm very concerned, and I, I say that because when you look at us and the amount of money that we're able to spend um, within our teams, and then you look at across the board what the Mexican teams are able to spend and what they are spending. Um, it's amazing how fast not only we have closed the gap, but also how we compete, um, you know, all the way to the semifinals with a uh, much reduced amount of money um, in trying to put our rosters together. So um, I do think we're on the doorstep, and I think, you know, hopefully that's going to come a lot sooner than, than we all expect. Uh, um, when these this last go-around now, when we had L.A. and Seattle uh, go down, a, a lot of people obviously pointed to the salary cap. Uh, in MLS is kind of holding it back. And keeping it from winning, keeping MLS team from winning. Uh, so my argument was that you know obviously MLS uh, Mexican teams have an advantage, but the mechanisms are there now for an MLS team to build a squad that's strong enough. And you you've actually been able to to do a pretty good job building a deep team. Uh, you have you have you still have Kai Kamara's rights that could turn into either him coming back or uh, some more help this summer. Uh, um, do, I mean, do you feel? It, it sounds like you're pretty confident that you're going to have a, a squad that's strong enough to maybe make that kind of run. Is that is that how you feel about that group? 
Well, I mean, we, we, we like to think so, right? Um, I think we made some good acquisitions also in the offseason. Um, bring in Michael Parra, Josh Gardner, you know, guys that have experience in the league. They're a little bit older. Um, you know, they're going to give us depth in, in, in very important positions on the field. Uh, so, so yeah, I mean, obviously we'd like to think that we're going to try and take a serious one um, at Champions League. But, but I, I still say that, you know, if you're talking about from an investment perspective, we're still a long way off than, than uh, you know, across the board on an average basis than, than Mexican teams are. But again, I don't, I don't necessarily look at that as and say, oh, that's my excuse. Um, you know, last year, you know, people and, and, and the, the, the stat was incorrect. Um, they had, they had uh, San Jose having spent less than, than we did, and that wasn't true. Last year, we were number 19 out of 19 teams on how much money we actually spent because we didn't have a DP, um, and and we had we had. You know, we were under the cap. So, at the end of the day, you you have the ability. There's very good players in this country, and you have the ability to put a to put a roster together that can compete in MLS. The the next step is getting the experience. You've got to play in these international competitions, and the only way to do that is once you get there. Um, the great thing is, is that guys like Grand Susi and Matt Beasler, you know, you even look at um, uh, Pearson Joseph, Kai Kamara, Jerome Michek. These players are playing for their national teams, and they're getting that international experience. I obviously have in, in the African um, aspect, but then you have the other guys getting in still in CONCACAF. So the more that we continue to get those guys getting that opportunity, um, it's only going to make us that much better you know, in, in, in club duty as well. So we're going to continue to strive to make sure that our roster is strong, but at the same time making sure that guys are getting the experience and hopefully they're going to be able to bring back to us and, and aid us in winning some of those international club competitions. Now, you, you've been on the other side of that whole kind of Mexico versus MLS battle. Uh, as a player, obviously, in 2002, Kansas City uh, made a bit of a run. Uh, how much, just remember, you know, if you can remember back to, you know, we're talking 10, 11 years, even further. I mean, how, how much have you seen kind of the gap close, say, from back then when, when you weren't competing in the, cha- it was the Champions Cup then? Yeah, it, it, it's tremendous, and I say that because what you see is is that our teams are are you know at home are really a lot of times running the show. Um, they're dictating the tempo of the game. They're putting the other team under pressure. The other the other Mexican teams are having a difficulty playing with us at our places. Um, so, like I said, I mean, the, when you get two teams in MLS getting to the semifinal, it's a tremendous opportunity. What what you what you what you still are are where you're lacking at times is that where you know both teams maybe have a very solid eleven, they just have a deeper roster because their their amount of money that they're going to use is so much more, and that that's the difference. Well, let's uh, transition over to to uh, your your playing career. Obviously, recently you were you were you were uh, in. Selected to be in the Hall of Fame, and uh, congratulations on that. I, I know you have the the leagues, the, the the Sporting Kansas City season to focus on, so you can't spend too much time thinking about it. But what, if you could just tell us, kind of, what what does that mean to you? Just kind of an honor like that, obviously, uh, you know, kind of an honor for your career and what you did as a player. Well, obviously, this year, you know, we're coming on the centennial of, of U.S. Soccer, and uh, it, it's it's pretty amazing in that, you know, we have such a rich history in this country with, with, with soccer. Um, and, and we're 
you know, we're just now making our strides into being amongst the, the uh, you know, the, 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 the major sports in this country. But the fact of the matter is, is that there's a lot of incredible people that have been uh, major contributors to, to how this game has advanced over the years in this country. So, obviously, for me to be recognized, uh, you know, as a part of that group of people is, is a tremendous honor, extremely privileged, um, very, very uh, uh, humbled by by the by the accolade, um, but at the same time, I, I I feel such a sense of responsibility to continue to help try to grow this game, and uh, I I definitely feel very fortunate to be a part of sporting sporting Kansas City, and and trying to you know be a part of Major League Soccer and, and grow um, the league and and the sport in this country. So I will continue to try to do my part, but uh, again, very humbled to have received that accolade. Well, Peter, is there anything that you remember? Because when you look back in, uh, on your history, I mean, you were definitely there at the beginning when U.S. soccer started to reemerge there in the late 80s and, and get going in the early 90s. I mean, you also played on the U.S. futsal team. I mean, is there anything that you look back on and, and that you remember specifically that, you know, it's a, it's a great memory that you have? Well, I mean, there's, there's quite a few of them. I mean, it would, it would be hard to leave any of them out. You know, I mean, obviously getting the Olympics is a, is a, is a major um Achievement and playing, you know, and qualifying for the World Cup for the first time in 40 years was was magnificent, um, and I think it's been the sort of the, the stepping stones for all the things that have occurred since then. Um, but the other thing is, is that I would say this: is that look, and a lot of people don't know this, is that I was the first, uh, you know, American-born player to um, play in first division uh, in Europe, uh, Premier League, if you will. Um, in, in Hungary and also Holland. Um, and nobody at that time had ever played as an American in, in the first division in any country. And the final piece was is that, you know, my half of my career as a professional was a forward, and then the other half was as a, uh, a special defender. And I actually played on the national team and was, you know, asked to come back on, on two separate occasions, um, one as a forward and one as a, as a defender. So I think if I had to say there was one thing that, you know, sort of summed up as a player who I was, I think it was that because my attitude was is that I was a team guy and I always wanted to win. And if you needed me anywhere on the field, I was I was available and I was going to give you everything I had. So, uh, you know, interesting. You mentioned uh, your your career abroad. Uh, you know, you definitely were one of the the pioneers uh, on that on that front for American players. What do you think about what 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 is goes through your mind when you see now so many Americans going over and enjoying success in, in top leagues, especially now lately. Obviously, you see Michael Bradley at Roma, Josie Altidore scoring so many goals, 28 goals uh, in, in the Netherlands. Uh, I mean, did you kind of, going back to when you were there, kind of breaking in, I mean, could you have imagined this kind, these kind of inroads? Did you, see, did you ever think this could, could be possible? Did you see it happening? Well, definitely hope that it was going to happen. Um, hard to have the vision to see that, right? Um, obviously, MLS, I think, has been a major contributor to all of that. If you look at all those players that have gone overseas, all of them have started their careers in Major League Soccer. Um, I still don't think the American player gets the respect that it should, uh, but we're constantly, you know, chipping away at that at, at that uh, that battle. But um, the American player is somebody to be very respected. Um, they have a they have a great work ethic. And, and more importantly, I think they have a great tactical sense and passion for the game. And, and it's and it's tremendous to see that those guys are finding success in those countries and, and that they, they all started their careers in MLS. Well, I mean, for you, when you look back on it, 
you know, you were one of the first guys ever going over to Europe, and I'm sure probably there were some, probably some people that looked at you and, you know, I think in American, you play, you know, you play football, but how was it for you? I mean, how hard was it, that, you know, going out there, living out there, and trying to make it? It was very difficult. When I went to Hungary, um, when I was in my first practice session, um, the coach put on a, a, a scrimmage game, and it was between the first team and the reserve team. They put me on the reserve team. So we're playing, and with for seven minutes in the game, I had not touched the ball. And it was because nobody on the team wanted to play me the ball. They didn't want me to find success. I actually had to steal a ball away from a guy on my team, shoulder him off the ball, take it, and dribble about 40 yards and take a shot for about 30 yards out, and then just basically say, then look, I'll keep taking it from you guys if you don't want to give it to me. And finally they started to, you know, start, started to, you know, include me in the game a little bit. And, and it was a totally different time. Nobody had any respect. Um, for the American player at all. And, uh, you know, in some respects, you know, if I have to look back on it, rightfully so, right? Um, we didn't have really a professional league in this country. We just didn't have a lot of things. But what I will tell you is that I think if you look at a lot of guys that went overseas um, there after me, even even John Harks went to Sheffield Wednesday, Scott Ramos came over to, to, to Spain. When you start looking at that and then all those inroads started to happen, I think the respect level started to go up. And now all of a sudden you start to see opportunities and doors open for many players that are now playing over there today. Uh, changing the subject a little bit, uh, going back to the coaching side of things. Um, obviously you're doing an uh, excellent job with Sporting KC, building a great team and a system there. Um, so already you know, people start talking about the national team at some point down the road. You're still a young guy, obviously. Uh, with a career ahead of you uh, in the coaching ranks, it, it, down the road, it, it, do you think we could see Peter Vermees, national team coach, at some point down the road? You know, I've been asked this question before, and, and, I, and I don't mean this in, in, in any way that I really say it, and that is that, um, you know, a, a lot of people, in, in whatever they do for, for their living, um, you know, they're, 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 they're in their job, but they're always focused on the next thing they want. And, and I have a different philosophy. My thing is, is that um, I truly believe in, in what I'm doing today. I'm, I'm excited to be about a project like we have in sporting where we're trying to build a, a, a truly integrated um, club from, you know, academy all the way up through the, the, the top team and then all the way back down. Um, obviously, the national team is something that is very dear and, and, and near to me, having played there and and, and being that I, you know, have represented the United States in multiple competitions, um, yeah, would, would, it, would it be something someday that it might be of interest to me? For sure. But right now, my focus is, is really sporting, and, and I really don't like looking outside of that. Um, I'll evaluate things if they come along to me, but right now, that's really my main focus. Now, obviously, last year, uh, you, had, you had some some great successes and some disappointments with the U.S. Open Cup title. Uh, great regular season, and then obviously, you know, falling to Houston in the playoffs. This year, you guys look pretty stacked, uh, looking like one of the favorites. It is uh, when you look at this year, is it? Is this? I mean, do you see this? Is this kind of an MLS Cup or bust season? Yeah, I, I don't really look at it that way. I think every year presents its, its challenges. I, I think that we're always going to try to try to compete for those competitions. Um, we, we said this a long time ago that. We want to be in a position each year to be able to, comp- to compete for those different competitions that are out there. Um, I think we have a team that can do that. Um, I think it takes a lot to make sure that you're, you're in those finals and, and then and actually win those finals. 
Um, but I think we have a solid team. We still have a long way to go in the regular season to make sure that we get into a position where we can be, you know, a, a, a competing team for, for those different competitions that we are in. But uh, I, I never look at it as an ultimatum where it's, it's like, it's like, it's either we're doing it or we're, we're over. Um, we've evolved and we'll continue to try to do that. And there's always going to be opportunities out there for us to try to win some hardware. And we're going to try to win, you know, whatever we can. Uh, but I think we have a very good team and we're constantly making sure that that team will stay successful for many years to come as opposed to just being a one-hit wonder. Well, can't, we, can't, uh, we can't have the show without me asking you a question about Jersey, being that you're a Jersey guy like me. Uh, back back when, when you were coming up, there was tons of talent in the state. You know, we talk about guys like, you know, Miola, Harks, Tab Ramos. Uh, what, can you just talk about those early days and just how much talent – uh, you got to face and play with and play against in New Jersey? Well, we used to say that you, know, you could probably make a national team out of players in New Jersey. It was, excuse me, it was, it was amazing. Um, you know, we used to play on teams going up club ball, uh, state team, and, 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 and the competition was incredible. On, on top of that, there was, there was a lot of pressure with the way we played too as well because there was a lot of ethnicities that would come out for our games. They expected to see good games. They expected to see good plays, not only as a team, but also individuals. So it was an environment that I think really bred um, players to, to have a chance to be successful on a higher level and a bigger stage. Um, but, yeah, there were some tremendous players during that time. I still think, you know, as you see around the country, there's no doubt the East Coast still continues to provide, um, you know, high beds of talent that uh, kids continue to, to, to you know, find uh, very high levels of the game in the United States. And I think that will always be the case just because the, the tense population, the ethnic background, um, and, and, and the close proximity to go and get, you know, incredible competition on a regular basis. Well, Peter, thank you so much for jumping on the uh, show today. Uh, congratulations on all your success and uh, good luck going forward. Thanks a lot, guys. Really appreciate it. Good stuff right there with Peter Vermees Ivis, and uh, I mean he really has his team rolling right now, and and I mean Sporting Kansas City is starting to look like the team to beat. Well, I'll tell you, I mean he aside from the fact that obviously he's a great coach, he's done a great job mm-hmm. building a strong team. Uh, I think a lot of U.S. fans, a lot of American fans, especially younger fans, don't realize the career that he had and just how important he is uh, it, it, as a pioneer for American players, especially overseas. And, and I mean, obviously. You know, someone like yourself, who as young as you are, clearly you don't know about his career. If if you manage to ask him about futsal instead of asking I, oh, him about, oh, oh I don't it. know, the stop 1990 it. World Cup, maybe. I figured he would talk about that just because that's a big thing. I mean, I don't know. He, he could. I, I thought the futsal thing was interesting. My bad. <laughs> I'm pretty sure the futsal thing is kind of low on his list of accomplishments. I mean, you're talking about, let's see, World Cup, MLS Cup final being the first American to play, you know, in European first division soccer, you know, any of those, uh, you know, state titles in, in, in New Jersey in high school probably, and then maybe futsal. State titles in Jersey, please. You, listen, man, don't sleep on, on Jersey. Listen, Jersey soccer for the size oh of the state. Oh, my God, you are such we a run, We run shop. I'm sorry. Look, only California, and California's huge. They have a ton of talent. No one touches California. They just produce too many players. But New Jersey, just, I mean, I'm sorry. When you, you look at the size of the state and you look at all the talent we produce, I mean, you can't compare. I mean, whoever you want to put up against New Jersey, when you talk about per capita, 
I mean, come on, look at the names of of, of the born in Jersey guys. Tim Howard, Michael Bradley, Josie Altador, Giuseppe Rossi, even though he plays for Italy. I mean, come on, Alejandro Bedoya, who we just Details. talked about. I mean, the pipeline continues, the pipeline. And then you obviously go back when you got Claudio Reyna, Ty Ramos, Tony Miola, John Harks. It's just on and on, Peter Ramirez. It just keeps going. I guess those names are impressive. Pretty good. We got a pretty good squad. Pretty, pretty good yeah, alumni pretty good. and pretty good current current crop of uh, Jerseyites. Ivis, now it's time to talk about MLS, and you know what that means. That's right. It's our MLS Weekend Preview. I have to say that is the funniest thing. Uh, to the person who made it, thank you so much. I, I, I forgot your name. Hold on. I'm going to pull it up right here. But, Ivis, don't you approve of that? Uh, I think you. I think you enjoyed that way more than I did. I, I think the fact that that someone made it, it. I mean, I I really appreciate it. I think you should do a whole a full rock and roll song devoted to the MLS Weekend Preview. Forget well, just like a eight second riff. I think you should do a whole song. Well, I I don't know what the person's name who made it, but the person their their name on SoundCloud is I D I K I Y. I don't, I don't know how to say that all in one word. So thank you so much. But Ivis, as we said, let's talk about Sporting Kansas City. Uh, like you said, the scheduling committee did, 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 didn't do them any favors. They're taking on the Galaxy in L.A. Galaxy coming off a loss against FC Dallas. And, uh, I mean, maybe that was because tired legs. And, I mean, maybe for Galaxy it will be a reverse fortune. Maybe Sporting Kansas City will have tired legs. Well, I think I'm obviously L.A. was missing players. Um, Serena had to sit some guys. There were some injuries. Uh, but now they've had some rest, and and as you said, I mean, it's it, it's definitely no easy task for Sporting KC. Uh, you know, they have to fly from KC to New York to play on Wednesday, and now they hop on a plane on Thursday and trek out to LA to play the Galaxy. And you, you have to expect some fatigue, but at the same time, the they're playing so well right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, their defense is playing outstanding. That I mean, it's gonna it's still gonna be a, an outstanding test for both teams. I mean, when you talk about Sporting Kansas City's defense, uh, the Galaxy's attack, um, assuming, you know, Robbie Keane can go and, and he's 100% and ready to go, uh, Landon Donovan ready to go, Mike McGee, if, if all hands are on deck for L.A. and Sporting Kansas City can shake off the, the, the fatigue, I mean, we're going to have, I mean, we're talking MLS Cup final preview. I mean, that could be the case right there. And it's going to be interesting to see what the Galaxy could do, how they how they can get through Sporting Kansas City's defense. I mean, you're right. I mean, they're going to have Keane. I mean, Keane practiced on Thursday. Um, so hopefully they'll have Keane back at 100%. I mean, you assume Donovan playing there a little bit more, uh, you know, get, getting familiar with the system. And, and you have the young guys there. I mean, do you think this is a game that, that the Galaxy could end Sporting Kansas City's uh, shutout streak? Well, I think the the shutout streak is definitely a possibility uh, as far as breaking it. Just just because, I mean, on top of the fireworks, on top of the the, the quality LA has in attack, I mean, Kansas City is going to have to have a little fatigue. I mean, playing on Wednesday against the Red Bulls and then having to fly, I mean, that's a lot of miles um, to ter- yeah. to travel. And, and also, you know, when you too. talk about the minutes they're playing. Uh, but it's it, it's going to be an exciting match. You want to see Robbie Keane against uh, how he does against Aurelian Collin and Matt mm-hmm. Beesler. You, you love that matchup. You love the matchup in midfield. You want to see where, where Bruce Arena deploys Landon Donovan. I mean, it, it, it's just there's just so much there. Mike McGee going up against Chance Myers. You want to see how L.A. does against Graham Zussi. Claudio Beeler against Omar Gonzalez. I mean, I'm sorry, folks. This, this You know what? Forget every other game. You, I mean, unless you're obviously you're talking about your favorite teams, but if you're, if you're an impartial American soccer fan, you don't have an MLS team, 
you have to watch this game. I mean, not only because it's going to be entertaining, fun to watch, national team implications. You got Beastler versus Gonzalez. You got you got it all. Zussi versus Landon Donovan. I mean, it's all there. You got to watch it. It's going to be a it's going to be a good game. That game is on April twentieth, four twenty. And uh, speaking of. Uh... That day, there's a. I don't. I don't know if someone at the MLS scheduling committee has a has uh is funny, but they decided to have Seattle versus Colorado on April twentieth. What do you make of that, Ivis? Well, I mean, as soon as the schedule came out, <laughs> everyone saw and everyone knew that this was going to be a pretty funny matchup. It's the Ganja Derby. Um, no, it's the uh, uh, Cannabis Cup, I believe. Oh, is it? The, I'm I, sorry. I like Ganja what, Derby. I believe, oh, I believe Cannabis the, Cup. Uh, well, it, it was funny that the, you know these were the last two teams. That, well, wait, I'm sorry, Colorado. I'm sorry. I, I take that back. According according to Wikipedia, it is the oh here it is. It's the Herb Cup. That's the official name. I don't think that I don't think that's official at all. Well, I'm pretty Wik- sure it's, uh, it's official on Wikipedia. That that that's official you, to me. Listen, folks, I apologize in advance, but 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 obviously, Garrett cleverly lives and breathes and dies by Wikipedia. He lives there all. He's on it all day and all night. That is true. Help me get through my degree at ASU. <laughs> uh, my apologies <laughs> to everybody at ASU. Go ahead, Ivis. I, I before I interrupted you. Uh, well, no, I mean, I tell you what, this matchup, you know. A few weeks ago, it looked like you were starting to wonder if either of these teams would have a win when they met. Uh, but now you've had Colorado really turn it on, put together a couple of victories. They're really playing well considering all the injuries they've had. And they've had a ton of young players step up and just play really well. When you talk about Clint Irwin, Dylan Powers, um, Shane O'Neill, uh, the homegrown player, and then Deshaun Brown at forward. So they, they, they're doing really well. Overachieving, absolutely. And then on the other side, you have the Seattle Sounders, who are the exact opposite. When you talk about under, you know, they're underachieving. They they haven't won a match yet. Every single team in the Western Conference has at least two wins, and Seattle is still searching for their first win. And having said that, for me, I mean, they're 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 too good to be to have a record this bad. Um, they're finally healthy. Uh, reports out of Seattle are that they 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 finally were able to train as a full team recently. Uh, so all hands are on deck, and if that is the case, I think I mean I think they just have too much talent. I think this is the game that Seattle turns it around. They really turn it on and start showing us what a lot what most people expected, which was an MLS Cup contender. Oh, I, I think the Sounders obviously they've been distracted. They've had a couple tough games. You know, I mean their schedule going forward from this is, is not easy. I mean the Galaxy. I'm sorry, not the Galaxy. Sounders, I'm sorry, I'm looking at the schedule. They're playing the Galaxy on, on May 27th. But for the Sounders, though, Ivis, I mean, now is not the time to kind of go, oh, my gosh, season's done. But when you look at their schedule here, I mean, you got Colorado, then you got Union, Sporting Kansas City, San Jose, FC Dallas, Galaxy, Chivas, Whitecaps. I mean, it is there, – there's no there's – no, there's no breathing room with their schedule at all. I mean, and they're going to have to turn it on quickly here to, to still stay in the hunt. Well, I mean, the pressure is clearly on. I mean, they know they can't afford too many more stumbles. They they need to start finding their form. And I think this is this game can be, and I think will be, the jumping off point. I mean, to take nothing away from Colorado, they've been they've been great. Uh, you know, exceeding expectations, especially given all the injuries. I mean, when you think about all the players that they're missing, uh, for them to put together some pretty good results. I mean, to beat Chivas USA. On the road, um, you have to give them the credit. But that being said, I just think Seattle. I, I think I think this is the game. I think this is where they break out. Uh, you know, obviously playing at altitude in Colorado is never easy. 
But I think this game is going to be the come, the breaking out uh, moment for them. I think they get the win, and I think it starts a run for them. I think they're just I just think they're that good. I, I, I mean, I, they just have too much talent, uh, and I think you know I, I really think it's like the Galaxy were last year, where they just were in that funk. Everybody was underachieving. Everybody was playing poorly. Uh, and then they just snapped out of it. Uh, although obviously it took LA, LA up until like late May, early June to snap out of it. I think Seattle with this game in, in Colorado, I think this is when they turn things around. Well, it, exactly. It's not how you start; it's how you finish, though. But for Seattle, I mean, you just it's it's a little spooky when you look at their schedule going forward and and, and which is where they are right now. Um, let's talk about another team that that's you know still you know not not surprising us because I think they're the real deal now. I mean, after beating the Galaxy last week, they they look like they could be the real deal. That's FC Dallas taking on the Vancouver Whitecaps. Dallas is on a you know they they haven't lost in, in five games and. Uh, I mean, obviously, they're, they're they're just quickly becoming just the. I mean, they're they're almost like kind of running away with the West right now. Well, they are. I mean, they they have a six point lead on the group on the on the rest of the pack, um, and I think Vancouver. You know, they, I don't know. Vancouver's just been in a bit of a funk. Obviously, they started well, a couple of good results early, but they've been kind of you know up and down. Uh, you know, I think I think FC Dallas is playing with such such confidence right now racking up these points racking up these results and i think now they're they're gonna i think they're starting to play to the results you know i mean i think they as i've said i feel like every show now they've had a lot of things break their way they've had a lot of fortunate um you know things happen for them with the opponents teams not having their full complement of players Mm -hmm. um teams coming in tired so you know what again they it's not their doing it's the schedule the way it's broken out they've taken full advantage of it and now they're that you have to like them as a legitimate contender, a legitimate uh, you know first place team in the West. And I think this is a game where if you're FC Dallas, if you want people to really buy into it, you got to dominate this game. You got to just get in there and and boss Vancouver around. The Whitecaps aren't exactly a weak sister, but just looking at the looking at the results and looking at the form recently, you have if you're Dallas, this is your chance to really shine and really to really put a beating on a team well I, and i also think for vancouver I, I just i don't see them winning this game and i also see kind of their i guess luck running out kind of they got lucky the last two games i don't think they'll get lucky a third game right i, I don't know I, I, it's a weird one vancouver is an interesting one because got, come on they i mean they have lucky some, the last you know two they've games. added some talent obviously nigel rio coker dago kubayashi you know they've shown glimpses early in the, in the early games of the season but just as a team it hasn't quite been clicking um, the last few weeks. So, you know, Dallas, you got to give them credit. They're really playing well as a unit. Uh, their defense is outstanding. George John leading the way. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I can't see them not winning this game. I think Dallas, uh, I think they cruise in this one. Well, for George John, I think it's especially important uh, to keep up FC Dallas because, I mean, he could obviously be in consideration for that Gold Cup roster. Well, I'll tell you what, man. I mean, as well as he is playing. I mean, if things certain break, certain things break his way. Who knows? You know, yeah. maybe he gets a look in the in the May camp, and and uh, and obviously, you know, Klinsman can bring in, you know, possibly if he brings in some extra guys to have a look. Uh, I think at the very least, George John has played his way on the Gold Cup team. I think he, I think he's someone who could start on the Gold Cup team. Um, but again, uh, I wouldn't rule him out for for an even an even bigger role this summer. Ivis, let's uh, let's look at another game uh, that's going to be in the West: Real Salt Lake versus Chivas USA. And uh, for Real Salt Lake, uh, you know, I, I think things will get better for them. They've kind of had an interesting season. I mean, Robbie Finley looks like he's going to be back soon. 
uh, here for them. And uh, Chivas USA lost last week. And uh, I mean, what, what do you make of this game? Who, who are you picking? Uh, this is a tough one, man. I got to tell you, Salt Lake is still. I feel like they're still uh, trying to figure their figure out their identity. I mean, they they clearly made so many changes to their roster. Um, when you when, when you remember the offseason, losing guys like Will Johnson, Hamson Olave, Fabiana Spindola. Um, you know, they they had a lot of turnover, obviously. So they, they're still kind of working out the kinks, uh, and this is a great test. I mean, you know, Chiefs USA, even though they played arguably, arguably for me, their worst game of the season last week. I mean, even the season opening loss to Columbus finished 3-1, but I thought they actually played pretty well in that game. Um, you you want to see how this Chiefs team responds because you know che- the, their head coach, Chalice, was not happy in the least with their performance against Colorado. Uh, you got to imagine it, it's been a it's been a tough week of practice for Chivas, so they, they they're going to come out there, and I think it's it's going I think we're going to see an attractive soccer game. I think we're going to see some wide open attacking soccer. Salt Lake obviously likes to play. They like to knock they like to knock the ball around, and and this can be a good match, a good clash, a good matchup of styles that should yield, I think, a pretty attractive game. Well, I think you said it right there for Real Salt Lake. I mean, I, I think their biggest problem right now has is, is maybe been their the lack of depth on their bench. I mean, they really they, they have a good bench, but I wouldn't say it's a deep bench. Right. Well, yeah, I mean, you can't lose lose the players that they lost. Uh, I mean, it shows how deep they were that they lost those guys and, uh, or they, you know, they traded some, uh, traded those guys away and they had, you know, they were able to have guys like Chris Schuler and Luis Gill step into starting roles, but now that 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 hurts your bench. Uh, obviously, Javier Morales has been uh, injured early in the year, so he hasn't he hasn't been playing ninety minutes. He's starting to, to get into the mix more now. Um, but they, that you know, with Kyle Beckerman last week, you know what? Once they lost him, I mean, you you had to think that you know they were going to be in a little bit of trouble. Um, I think this is a big game for them. I mean, they they you know they're at home. You want you want to get your three points. Uh, and one positive sign you do have to point out is Olmas Garcia scored a beauty of a goal and looked really good coming off the bench. Uh, the young Colombian striker, uh, if he can if he can turn out to be an impact player, uh, then I mean that's big for Salt Lake because you, you definitely you definitely think their attack uh, needs a guy like him. All right, yeah, another game that uh, that you may be going to is DC United versus the Union. You going to that game? Uh, afraid not. It's Sunday. If it was Saturday, I might have taken the trip down to DC, but it's on Sunday. I'm actually going to I'm going to DC uh, uh, next week for for some US soccer stuff uh, Tuesday and Wednesday. But oh, uh, what's, but what's still, that, that that's uh, that's become a pretty testy rivalry, and uh, I think that's going to be you know while Salt Lake and Chivas might might yield some some attractive attacking soccer, I think this DC Philly game is going to be like a UFC sponsored soccer game. There's going to be some serious physical play going on. In well, RFK Stadium. Well, I mean, it's going to be an interesting game because this might be DC United's first chance to maybe break through on offense, possibly against the Union. I mean, but you, you know, the Union are going to be stingy, and I think the Union have impressed a lot this year. I, I, personally, for me, I think the Union are going to win this game. DC United, they're playing so badly, but uh, you know, at home, I mean, they looked awful against the Red Bulls. I mean, I got to be, you got to be honest, they looked pretty bad last week. Um, this one, I mean, I think this is going to be like a pretty ugly game. This is going to be one zero. I think there'll be more red cards than goals. Really? Um, yeah, and you know what? I, I will agree. Philly has. I feel like Philly is overachieved. Philly is as as uh, played much better than I think most would have expected them to play to start the season. Um, the results haven't always been there, but the, the I mean, against Toronto, I mean, let's face it, they should. You know, 
they they outplayed Toronto and, and only Joe Bendix heroics uh, kept TFC in it and helped them get a point. Um, it's tough though, you know. Philly on the road. I don't know if I can give it to Philly. Philadelphia, um, dude. I'm giving them two zero victory. Ooh, interesting. Uh, you know what? I'll go. I'll go. You know what? I, you convince me. I'll go Philly one zero. <laughs> Come on, Ivis, go two. Nah, one zero. It's gonna be an ugly one, man. There's gonna be two red cards, and it's gonna be one goal, and if, and it'll probably be Jack McInerney, unless unless our boy Amobia Kugo can uh, can get get his head on one there. He's not my boy. My boy's Danny Cruz. That's my boy. Ah, uh, Danny. Well, hey, you know, I, I was chatting with Danny uh, during the week, and I love Danny. Uh, obviously, dude. Danny's my it, man. He, he's facing. He'll be facing his former team, and it will be. I, I believe it will be the first meeting. Between DC and Philly, since uh, headbutt gate in preseason, when Dwayne De Rosario headbutted Danny, Gar- uh, uh, you know your boy Danny Cruz, and uh, what's I know what's up with Cruz getting hit in the head all season long? I swear, man, that guy cannot stay healthy. Or, well, you or, know what he it is. is healthy, I mean, he, he just, has no fear, I know, and he just man. runs into challenges left and right. Uh, like like I used this phrase earlier, and he plays with his hair like his hair is on fire, and uh, he puts himself in those spots. Uh, it's an interesting, interesting story with with that whole Di Rosario headbutt situation. I mean, th- these guys were former teammates. Um, they're they're not they don't hate each other, dislike each other by any means. Di Rosario just lost his cool, uh, and he actually reached out and apologized to Cruz soon after that. And uh, MLS actually, uh, from what I hear, from what my sources tell me, MLS reached out to Cruz to to try to uh, build a case against Di Rosario. And needless to say, Cruz wasn't uh, wasn't didn't want to play a part in that. In that kind of witch hunt, um, seriously? But yeah, I mean that's how you know MLS. The, you know they, their investigative team was on the case, and uh, uh, I believe I believe uh, you know I, from what I understand, Danny Cruz what, they, they didn't play along, and uh, but you know what? Because I think they're still buddies. But I tell you what, those two teams uh, they don't really like each other. And she, Sheenan Williams was quoted as saying that, and and it's not everyone knows it. They, those teams do not like each other. It's going to be a physical game. Physical game. And I'm telling you, there's going to be more red cards than goals. Well, for D.C. United, I mean, <laughs> they might be a little desperate in this game, I think. Uh, the last game I'm looking at, Ivis, is San Jose versus Portland. Uh, Alan Gordon, as as I'm sure everyone knows, received a three-game suspension uh, for what he said against Will Johnson. I mean, this game is going to be in, uh, in San Jose. And, uh, you know, obviously... What was said was said. It's done and over with, and uh, you know, let's move on and you know, and play a good game here. Right. I mean, the story of this game has is not about Alan Gordon. It's not about what he said. It's about these two teams and San Jose needing to redeem themselves because they were thoroughly dominated, thoroughly outplayed by Portland. Uh, it's like they. It's like you know, it was a game of keep away. I mean, Portland just knocked it around, uh, and things got pretty testy there. There were a lot of physical exchanges. There were a lot of you know. Clumsy challenges, and I tell you what, I think this could be another real physical game. I think this could be a game where you see some crunching tackles, maybe a red card. Um, although, you know, I wonder how San Jose is going to respond because if you're, you know, if you're Frank Yallop and you look at the video of that game in Portland, I mean, you saw your team just not do much at all on the attacking side of the ball. Um, and y- y- you know what, San Jose, they, they, as many goals as they scored last year, I mean. You have to think they want to show that they can play. They can play soccer with Portland. They can knock the ball around, create chances, go after the Timbers' defense. Um, and even though obviously Alan Gordon being suspended, uh, you know, hurts them a bit. I mean, they still have Lenhart back. 
They're supposed to be getting Marvin Chavez. Well, I don't know if Chavez is going to play, but Stephen Betashore is supposed is possibly going to play. Um, the challenge is going to be for San Jose if they can do a much better job on the possession side of things because the Timbers aren't going to change the way they play. They're going to try to knock the ball around. They're going to try to keep the ball. They're going to try to, uh, you know, build things up and uh, and look and look to to kind of pick apart that San Jose defense. And, and that's that's not easy. Obviously, it took a Will Johnson. Uh, free kick beauty to 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 put the goal uh, to give them the goal they needed, uh, but I want to see San Jose create. You know, I want to see them show that they can play some soccer, um, and uh, you know, see Wondolowski do his thing. Wondolowski, I mean, la- you, you couldn't blame him if he was angry last last week because he just got no support. He did. He, uh, I mean, he still found his way to get a chance here or there, but I mean, San Jose's midfield has to play better if they're going to have any chance of beating the Timbers. Well, Ivis, that wraps up our. Uh... MLS weekend preview as we uh, wrap up the show today. Is there anything else that you want to talk about going into this weekend that we failed to mention? I think we covered a lot of topics. I do want to tell everybody who's listening, if you're if you're still at this point at the end of the show. Of course they please, are. Of course they're listening, right? Of course they are. Yeah. But please make sure you give us a review on iTunes. Go on there. Uh, you know, we, we, we want to get some feedback. Um, we want to know what, what you like, what, you, what you'd like to see different. Uh, and also, don't be afraid to listen to, to older episodes. For any of you who are listening now and maybe, for whatever reason, missed the uh, the last uh, any previous episodes, especially the last one, which I thought uh, the Terrence Boyd interview I thought was you know one of the best interviews that that we've had. He was great. Uh, so make sure you listen to those episodes, the, those older episodes, if you get a chance. And uh, and again, make sure you give us a review. Uh, one thing we forgot to mention here was uh, real quickly is that Costa Rica wants to move their World Cup qualifying game against the U.S. men's national team into their old, great stadium. The Surpresa, Ivis, uh, I guess that's Costa Rica's way of, uh, you know, just giving it right back to us. Listen, anyone who think, anyone who's surprised by that or anyone who thinks that's news just really hasn't paid attention. I mean, it's been an issue in Costa Rica for some time now, even before snow the, the, the snow game, um, you know, there's questions in Costa Rica about about their new stadium and, and if it gives them enough of an, a home field advantage. And they have been talking about for a while now the the likelihood that they would want to play the U.S. and Mexico in Saprissa. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a much better home field advantage, a much more intimidating atmosphere. Uh, although they, it is on a pretty crappy turf surface, um, you know they they do like that that home advantage it gives them, uh, where their new their brand new stadium has a little bit of an artificial feel to it. It's really open air. It, it's, it's not huge. as intimidating. It's huge, right? It's huge, but it's it's a little impersonal. Uh, it doesn't trap the sound the way that Saprissa. You know, it, you know. I've been to Saprissa, but uh, I think three or four times now. And let me tell you, I mean, the fans are right on top of you. I mean, the the with the, the way the stands kind of uh, on the main side of the uh, of the of the stadium just shoots straight up, and it's like a wall of people. And just the way it's constructed, I mean, it, it's it, when you see it from the outside, it looks terrible. It, it looks like a, like they're going to tear it down. But when you get in there and once <laughs> it's full, it's such a great atmosphere. I mean, I love it. I actually, I want to have it there. I hope it's there because uh, it's such a great environment. The U.S. has never won there, uh, and the last time they were there, they got smoked in the, in qualifying in two thousand and nine. I was there. Uh, it was an, it was not a pretty scene, um, but. Um, I think you know what if you're the U- <laughs> I'm sure the US team doesn't want to play there but I think in in terms of it you know for the overall atmosphere 
I think it'll be a better show if they have it. It's a preset. Well, FIFA needs to uh, approve that change for that to happen right there. And, uh, you know, it could happen, could not happen. We'll see what happens. But uh, but that's how it works. Well, Ivis, that wraps up the SBI show today. We want to thank uh, Sporting Kansas City head coach Peter Vermees for joining the show today. And, uh, Ivis, you have a uh, excellent weekend, man. You too, my man. And uh, keep working on that singing voice, and uh, we'll see if we can have our, our listeners come up with any, any, other, uh, any other treats for us to add to the show. I thought it was a trick. That's what you said earlier in the show. Uh, that's true. As that's a treat. Yeah, you know, what, treat, you know what? Anything that our readers do for us, yeah. I will say, is a treat. And I, I, one other thing before I forget, as I said in the last show, we, we've started to try to kind of pump up our Facebook page, the SBI Facebook page. If you haven't gone to it yet, if you haven't liked it yet, make sure you do. Uh, we want to try to break through 2,000 likes before uh, before the end of the month, uh, and we're trying to we're going to start putting some unique content on there, mm-hmm. uh, whether it's Q and As or updates or you know I like to throw questions up on there, uh, try to make it more interactive. So definitely keep an eye out on the SBI Facebook page. That same goes for that Arizona soccer website called azkick.com. You can like that one too, right, Evans? No, nobody. Don't don't even. What do you what? Who? <laughs> <laughs> Stop! Look at you. <laughs> Who? <laughs> uh, oh, see, I told you the who works. The who it's does to, work. It's starting to grow. On me. It, see, I told you, man, it works. Well, Ivis, uh, look, I just liked it right now. You're at 1776. How patriotic, right there. Oh, that ra- oh, I know it's perfect. amazing. It's amazing, wait, with dude. With soccer, it's, it, I know, right? Well, that oh, wraps man. up the SPI show today, everyone. Thank you for listening to the show. Ivis, have a great weekend, man. You too, man. Thank you for listening. This is the SPI show. <laughs>